Welcome to episode 13 of Heart of the Bookkeeper. My name is Rob Marshall, and this podcast is brought to you by the Institute of Certified Bookkeepers. It's a new year, 2022, and this is the first in a new series for this year of Heart of the Bookkeeper. And we're really thrilled by the ongoing engagement that you are investing back in this podcast. We're thankful to all the guests that we had throughout 2021, and we've got an amazing array of guests again for this year. And what better way to kick off than a a fabulous bookkeeper based out of Tasmania, Deborah Jeffrey. And in this episode, we hear from Deborah as to how her origins started with bookkeeping. We also hear some amazing insights into how she has developed her bookkeeping practices and also the challenges that have come along with that over a number of years. How she has taken the approach of pivoting, a word we hear a lot of these days, to many new levels within her bookkeeping practice well before the current pandemic. But most significantly, we hear the story that has in some ways impacted her personally as well as within her bookkeeping practice via a cyber incident that occurred 12 months ago and has had a significant impact in her life in so many ways with so many lessons and so many takeouts for those of us who are listening to that particular journey. So I'd really encourage you, this is a fabulous episode, sit back and hear the story of Deborah Jeffrey, episode 13, Heart of the Bookkeeper. Welcome everybody to episode 13 of Heart of the Bookkeeper. My name is Rob Marshall. It is absolutely fantastic. This is a new year for us. This is our first uh, episode of Heart of the Bookkeeper for 2022. So I'm super excited that we're back into it. And uh, as we've called out many times, we just love the fact that so many of you are engaging with us in this podcast series and the fact that we've got the opportunity to capture the hearts of so many of our community and those who put so much time and effort into the the uh, the industry, whatever you want to call it, that we call bookkeeping, uh, we absolutely are just celebrating the fact that we can continue to do that in 2022. And I'm, again, super excited to, to have our guest on episode 13. Uh, she's our, uh, I think our, I'm going to go with our uh, second ever guest coming from the Apple Isle of Tasmania. Um, and we had uh, Colin Walker in episode uh, three or four, I think it was. We'll go with uh, episode whatever it was. A big heart of the bookkeeper. Welcome to Deborah Jeffrey. Great to have you with us, Deb. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's um, fantastic to be invited. Um, number 13 is my lucky number, by the way. Uh, yeah, you bet. we, we just, just discussed that a little bit earlier, didn't we? Uh, that, that number came up and you, you, you're you okay with that. Well, I'm okay uh, with that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so first question, I, I've already referenced you as Deborah and Deb. Is oh, it Deb, Deb or Deborah? Deb, Deb will be fine. You're, you're straight with Deb, yeah. No, that's good, yeah. I had somebody call me uh, Robert recently and I went, you talking Who? to me? You know, I don't. I kind of. Uh, that, that that's a name that I remember my mum calling me when I was in trouble. But, <laughs> but Deb, great to have you uh, on on heart of the bookkeeper. We're gonna. Well, I'm gonna kick off. Uh, it's a new series, new year, 2022. You're our first guest in 2022. So well done. Pretty, pretty Congratulations. exciting. Pretty exciting. Yeah, very exciting. Yeah. So we're gonna kick off with a new tradition. We we've we've stroked with a, a little uh, thing called debits and credits in the past mm-hmm. at the back end of uh, each episode. We're gonna we're gonna change it up a bit this year. Oh, great. So in the in the yeah, you're our guinea pig. So in the spirit <laughs> of um, all things bookkeeping, I thought well. How do you start off a podcast about bookkeeping? Well, just in the same way as you'd start off with a new client, you've got to enter some opening balances, don't you? So to kick off the the balance sheet, we've got to get some opening balances. So I'm going to hit you with uh, three questions that are our opening balances just to kick off this particular episode. And then, of course, we have to end the episode with some closing balances to rule off the ledger. So we'll finish with another three questions at the back end. So, wow. Yeah. So you're you're our first uh, you're our first opening balances. So I referenced the Apple Isle, but where particularly do you live in Tasmania? And is that your place of home or is that just uh, passing through? No, it's my place of home, Hobart. Um, Hobart? Yep. 
in South Hobart. I was born and, yes, I have travelled. Uh, lived in WA, actually, and a few other states, but um, I'm back home. I love home. but um, And WA is my second home because I've got family there. Beautiful. Well, we, we, we all celebrate uh, calling WA a home, don't we? Or well, I do anyway. Um, so uh, I, I, before I get on to question number two, so South Hobart, I remember Colin yes. Walker referencing one side of the river to the oh, other. So obviously there's a okay. south and a north. Yep. He was on the side that had, I have to put everything into cricketing terms, that had Bell Reeve Oval ah, next to yes, it. Is that right. the so, south or the north? So, so South Hobart is on the western shore, the mountain right. side. Okay. Uh, South yep. Hobart is at the brewery there. Uh-huh. Um, yes, I live next to the brewery. Right. And oh, I feel like. <laughs> I, I was brought, but I live now on the eastern shore. Okay. On the okay. other side of the bridge. Yes. So is that the better side or are we, we not oh, look, getting no, into that? No, no, it is the better side. It's warmer. Yep. It's about yep. three to four degrees warmer than the South Hobart. <laughs> right. <laughs> Cross okay. the bridge and it gets a bit warmer. Well, I- I'm converted. <laughs> You're converted, yeah. You've seen the light, or you've seen the heat, more likely. Yeah, I, th- I think I caught it out in the Colin Walker episode. But my only experience of of Hobart uh, growing up was going there to play cricket on Boxing Day in 1981, Ooh, I think it was. Yes, and yes. it snowed the oh, day yeah. I turned up. It <laughs> snowed on Boxing Day in Tasmania. I'm like, well, I'm from Western Australia, you know, and us it's us guys, rude. we tur- turned up in our t-shirt and shorts, and we mm. just about froze. But but uh, I think I've told that story before. Well, it's Sorry all right. For the it snowed on Christmas Day when I was living in WA, 1986, and I right. wasn't here. And they skied down the ma- the bridge, and I wasn't here to see it. <laughs> yeah, just to clarify, it didn't snow in WA. We no. have never seen snow ever. No, no, I don't no, think, no. unless Hobart. you've on the. Pro- it snowed <laughs> in Hobart, but I was living in WA at the time. Right. Yes. Yeah. We get snow on the Paronga ups and Stirling Ranges once every century, but that's about all. Um, <laughs> Okay, question two. So that was question one. We live. We, we now know where you live. So the question that obviously is the most pertinent question for a podcast like this, how long have you been a bookkeeper for? Have you worked it out in years? I recently racked up 25 years. Um, how long, how long um, have you been going for? I started the business in 2006. So, right. um, yeah, May 2006, which um, probably go there later. But, yeah, so, yeah, I've been doing it for then. Um, I was in a in business before that, but I always felt that there was a trend to be in something like this. And so I went off and studied. And while I was studying, I thought, why am I waiting? My accountant said you should start. So I started and it's just gone from there, Mm, gone crazy. So we'll we'll get more into that in a little while. But um, so how many years was it? uh, 2006, so what, 16 years or something? 16 years, mm-hmm. yeah. So, yeah, you know, like a mm-hmm. classic bookkeeper, I had to do the math there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> didn't quite come up with the right answer, so worry. But, yeah, 16 years, that's a, lo- that's a long journey. That's mm-hmm. a long journey. Um, my, like I say, mine is, well, the 25 I racked up was a couple of years ago, so I'm closer to mm-hmm. getting closer to 30 years, which is, is a long journey. But 16 years in anyone's language is definitely a journey. So last question of our opening balance. And then we'll get into mm-hmm. some more uh, detailed stuff. But mm-hmm. when you're doing like we do, and you can growl at me if you say, well, that's not very appropriate, Rob, but when you're doing a client's bass and you've yep. got some music in your ears and you're listening to mm-hmm. a favourite song, mm-hmm. what is it? What are, what are we listening to? Uh, if I'm running behind which or under pressure, I will listen to I Get Knocked Down, I Get Up Again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Chumbawamba, is it? That's the one, isn't it? Yeah. You're never going to keep me down. Down, that, yeah. That's the one. Every time I start to hit rock bottom, I play that loud and I go for it. Mm. Yep. Beautiful. Mm. Love it. Mm. And I'm throwing the challenge out to every listener that's listening in right now. Come on, what's your song? What's your go-to when you're, when you're struggling with your bass? I love that. Chumbawamba. Yeah, thub. Tub thumping, I think yeah, they call so that, that or something. That's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I must admit, I, I probably have had that one on as well. <laughs> yeah. All right. Very good. Well, you're off to a great start, and our uh, our first effort at opening balances. Well, we'll let the listeners judge whether that was uh, a good switch up or not. Um, so, going back to to the start, mm. you know, where it all started for you. So, you did you grow up in? Tasmania or WA? Which no, 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 no. I've only lived in WA for about um, just 
a year or something like that, a couple of times. But no, I, I've, I was born and grew up here in um, Tassie, in South Hobart. Um, and I always knew I wanted to be in business. I used to empty. So mum and dad bought our, built our house and it had a very, very long corridor and all the bedrooms and everything came off it. And I, my bedroom was in the middle and I would empty mum's pantry. Mm-hmm. And I'd set up a little table in front of my door and I made everybody buy the food back for one and two cents. So I wanted to be in business when I was a kid. So I knew I wanted to do something like that. And mum bought it all back for one or two cents. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless. That's yeah. brilliant. Yeah. How yeah. good. So what, what was mum's name? Lois. Lois, okay, and and Lois still with us or no? Unfortunately, so I'm I'm a there's five of us and I'm number five. Okay, Um, I stir up. I used to stir up because I was an accident. Um, She was 41, going on 42 when she had me. Mm -hmm. Um, So I kept her. She used to say I kept her young at heart. So she would actually be in September this year. She would be a hundred. Wow. I know. But she died uh, in 2016, so six years ago. So, yeah, uh, and Dad died a long time ago. Um, But they were both the same age, a day apart, uh, 1st of September and the 3rd of September, the same age. But, yes, he died a long time ago. But, um, yeah, so Mum only died six years ago. She made a big player in my life, yeah, for this, especially this career. Hmm. It it, it is it is amazing the influence our parents play, and mm. you and I have an amazingly similar story, Deb Jeffrey. Mm. We're only working this out as people listen, but I'm one of five, and mm. I'm the fifth. Mm. And uh, my dad was 46, I think, when I was born, and Mum mm. was in her late 30s. And my dad would turn 100 in about a month's time. So oh, there we've got you go. a very mm. similar story there, Deb. Mm. Um, and I can you know, only attest to the influence they had on my life. And mm-hmm. so with Dad, what did Dad do? What was his occupation? Well, he was an electrician initially. Um, and But by the time I sort of was um, in the scene and can remember, he spent a long years at the Hydro. Um, okay. The Electrical Commission. Um, yes. And so he worked until he was about 60, but health reasons he had to give up. And then at, 50, at 69, he passed away. So, um, but Dad was heavily involved with the, oh, both Mum and Dad were heavily involved with the scouting movement. Okay. Um, he was a scout leader. He wrote the, the last thing he did 12 months before he died, he got asked to write um, the history of scouting in Tasmania and he wrote that. And, um, wow. And then he didn't do anything after that. And I've always been a big believer after he did that, that you've got to have a goal in life because he kept going and then suddenly I didn't see any more goals. And I feel like you've got to keep getting another goal and keep working for another goal. And so I've adopted that I want a goal and I have to keep working towards that goal. Um, But yes, he wrote that and mum was a cub leader and they actually met because mum was from Victoria. And she moved over here after the war. She was in the war, but she moved after here and they met and they were both in the scouting movement together, but she was a cub leader. I ended up being a cub leader when I was in my 16, 17, 18th year and a rover and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it's a long time ago. <laughs> it is. That's it's an incredible story that your mum and dad were able to share that passion together oh, as well. Right, and obviously, right. you know, you, you were along for the ride and then gained the passion as well. Um, is You're not involved now oh, or is dad's no. legacy still no, part I'm of not the family? In, no, I'm not involved anymore. Um, uh, I sort of went back to it a f- quite a few years ago when my stepson went to Cubs. I, I sort of said, okay, well, I'll be... Because Cub leaders are very hard to find. Um, so I went back to being a Cub leader when he went through. But he's like um, 40 now, so that was a long time ago. But, yes, yep. I, I went through and I studied. I got my wood badge, which is the highest standard at the Cub, cub leaders level. So um, I think that's helped me make me who I am right now. Uh, as, mm. along with many other things, but, you know, lots of things. Mm. Absolutely. I remember, you know, I grew up in a small country town and Cubs and Scouts were big in, in, in Harvey where I grew up and all I wanted to do was join Cubs. Mm. And mum, mm. mum said, yep, no worries. So I went off to my first Cub meeting, mm. loved, absolutely loved it, but then the, that night got quite ill and then got very oh. ill oh. and turned out I got mumps. Oh. And I don't, I don't even know if mumps are still around, but I got mumps in a big way 
And at that age, I think I was only eight or nine. I was going to say eight or nine. You wouldn't have been able to join until you were eight. Well, for some bizarre reason, I just got it in my head that that's what happens when you go to Cubs. So I didn't want to go back anymore. So I never (laughs) went back. So I kind of regret it now because I know lots of mates who went through it and had amazing uh, results out of it. And it's obviously a, a really important part of child's growing up from basically mm. back in those mm. days with mm. the discipline and understanding process and stuff like that, which, uh, you know, put a lot of people in good stead. So that is a great story. So when you sort of, you know, um, that with dad's passing, you were still fairly young at that yeah, point or a teenager? I was 27 when dad right, passed okay. away. But um, yeah, yeah. I was 18 when I watched him have his first heart attack. Yeah, um, okay. And that was an experience, but um, that I will keep in my mind um, that moment. But um, no, so he 27, but then so mum sort of, um, I sort of became very close with mum after that um, and she moved uh, to the eastern shore. I got her from South Highland to the Eastern Shore and she even, if she was alive today, she would say, yes, it is warmer. Um, I I got her admitted (laughs) to it as well. But um, so we were three blocks away, close enough for me to help her and support her, but far enough away to have a life, you know, be separate in our lives. So I was always um, close. So we did a lot of things together um, and um, to the point that when I... I decided to do this. I had to go. I did some study. I went to TAFE. And my brother, my oldest brother, showed, you know, sort of said, oh, you should go back and study. And so I I went, oh, okay. So mum cut out this thing from the paper, the ad for TAFE. And I said, well, if I'm going to TAFE to have a look at this, you took me to my first day of school. You're coming to with me to take me to TAFE. <laughs> so I went and enrolled. And before I knew it, I was enrolling and mum was there. <laughs> I just thought, well, you put me in school, so you're coming with me this time. And it was fun. Um, yeah, and that was another lot. That was the change of my life doing that too. So what was it that you were going to TAFE for? Was it bookkeeping or accounting? Ah, yes. Or? It, well, I yep. walked in there to find out about it because mm-hmm. I felt that, oh, well, even my brother, mum and everybody thought my accountant thought I had a sort of a bit of school. So I went there to, because I actually didn't like school very much um, when I was supposed to be there. I was there, um, but I sort of never really found myself. And before, after I left school, I did, I worked in retail. I worked in hospitality, which helped me travel. I then um, worked in government. I actually worked at the hydro uh, in a different department to dad, but I worked there as well. I um, And I worked in the not-for-profit for quite a while as well. So I've had a taste of every sort of aspect. And um, I then did seven years of debt collection as well. So I sort of got a taste of everything. So when it came to this, I was like this sponge. And so I walked out enrolling to advanced diploma of accounting and I, lo- I looked at myself in the mirror and thought, my God, what have you done? And <laughs> I went the first day and... I couldn't stop going back and that's where I, um, at one of the night classes, I met Amanda and we're sitting side by side studying together. I can't remember what subject. The current was, CEO of ICB, uh, Amanda current, Linton. Yes, yes, Amanda Linton, the current CEO. So um, so we studied together for a, a year or so and, um, yes, that was a lot of fun back then. But, yeah, so she would tell me about her story. She was about a year ahead of me with her business structure Right. So I was going, oh, really? And she was actually, I can still hear it today. We're in class. You go, you need to join an organisation. I think you should join the Institute of Certified Bookkeepers. I go, why? Why should I join? <laughs> and it was something I, I don't ever regret. It's, yeah, it, 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 but I remember she was talking about because it, it was all very new to her then too and she loved it right from day mm. one. Mm. Yeah. So when it comes to TAFE, mm. um, so Again, similar journey. I did all my studies through the Southwest College or mm. TAFE, it was mm. called back then. What I, I've got some clear views on on how effective that was. I won't go into it right now, but how did you find that process? Did oh, you enjoy I, yeah, it? I loved it. Um, I preferred, I did one subject online and I think online for me, me personally, I struggled because I, I'll do that later. I'll do that later. Yeah, yeah. I felt I needed to go to class um, and I got the, and we had some great teachers too. We had a guy, 
Andrew Colrain, who is a is an actor actually, but he taught tax and he mm-hmm. made tax funny. I don't know mm. how you do it, but he made it funny, <laughs> and it was it was enjoyable, and um, so so yeah, so so we went through, and I, I sort of smashed it out. I did it in um, a year and a half. Yep. Um, I had a really tight schedule. I I basically drew up a calendar and stuck it on the wall, and I said, "This is when you can have breakfast." This is when you're going to study. This is when you're going to work. This is when you're going to iron and watch TV. <laughs> and this is when you're going to do nothing for five minutes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I had worked out because I was on such a tight schedule. And um, But, yeah, I did it and I studied and did the exams. But as I said, I was like the sponge. And I think when you enjoy something, it, it, it comes natural for you. Um, and I just loved it. I couldn't get I just couldn't wait for the next bit of information. So I got to totally agree with you. I, um, you know, I wanted to hear yours. This yeah. is uh, about your story, not mine. But that's exactly the same experience that I had. Uh, I lo- I look back now and I loved it. The lecturers I had were all people who had been in the workplace, had worked as accountants or bookkeepers. They were t- they would tell stories about mm. their workplace, and mm. I'd sit there and I would just soak it up. I, I just it mm. was the thing that really inspired me to go to the next level. With you know, I I, I think I started out thinking accountant, but I quickly pivoted, as I've shared a few times before, and went down the road of more bookkeeping, and in particular, consulting in the bookkeeping software uh, of of that time, and. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I'm with you. I look back now and go, I'd go back in a heartbeat to, oh, absolutely. to TAFE. I loved it. Well, to the point that uh, when I finished, um, about 12 months after I finished, they contacted me and asked me to teach MYB. Ah, hmm. Yes, right. So and I did, did you? Yes, I did. For yeah. I managed to do it for two years, but I just really struggled juggling a new business with staff and two days of teach. I had to dedicate two days at TAFE and teach. And marking, oh, my God, mm. you don't do that at school. You do that no. after hours. And mm. um, so I did it for two years, but I'm, I'm really pleased I gave it a go. Um, but I taught um, the MYB, you know, the setting up a payroll, the maintenance, all those subjects. So it was really, really good. I loved it. And I was able to, I was really focused on trying to make sure that when the book said this, which is spot on, but then I'd go, and in the real world, <laughs> <laughs> because it was really important to get people ready for the real world, because it is slightly different to the book. I mean, it's not. It's just the book shows you how to do everything, which is exactly why. But not every client wants it like that. And so, in the real world, and so I would give them real world experiences. Oh, I'm finding this absolutely gold because. The person who will who is our uh, sound producer on this uh, show, Heart of the Bookkeeper, is mm. is my son, Nat mm. Marshall. He worked here at uh, at our uh, training location here in mm. Bunbury, and at one point, to you know, sort of take the Mickey out of his dad, he had a little bell that I was unaware of that he was playing in the background every time <laughs> I used the term out in the real world. <laughs> and apparently I racked up 40 out in the real world in a two-hour session at one stage. So I'm loving the fact that you've uh, called that out, Deb. Oh, no, no, no. I probably would be match you if not go yeah. further because I we would go through the book and i go, blah, blah, blah. And now in the real world, blah, blah, yeah. blah. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon most uh, most those tuning in would say amen, sister, because uh, it is it is very much bookkeeping is is theoretical like any subject, but what actually happens in the real world is sometimes not exactly the theory that we learnt in a classroom. Well, or you're dealing or with personalities. You're not dealing with an exercise book. You're dealing with a client and personalities and what can they handle and are they able to give you certain things and you've got to be able to manipulate your... And that's why I love the softwares because you've got one package and how many times do we manipulate that package exactly. to suit the client? And and, yeah. and we're still keeping compliant. Yes. But um, you can... I reckon every client I'm using the product every different way for every client. Yep, correct. And, and that was always the challenge teaching it for me. I'd have a classroom of 10 or 12 
people who were in business, but you'd have a hairdresser on one side of the room and oh. you'd have a plumber on the other side mm. and you'd have, you know, mm. a uh, mm. candlestick maker up the back and somebody yeah. in manufacturing. To teach it generically was a challenge because, like you just said, everybody is different and everybody had to approach it from a different way to get their full effectiveness. So, yeah, good on you for uh, doing those years of teaching because uh, I know for me, uh, I, I did it for, uh, well, still doing it for the uh, best part of 20 years now and it, it's very rewarding but it's challenging. It's not easy. Well, I got the students to make a pack. So every new class I had, I used to say, right, now I'm going to talk to you in the bookkeeping language. Yep. And as soon as I you start to lose me, you've got to stop and go, you're talking another language. And then I then will break it down again because I well forget. But I would teach them how they needed to talk. But it's also teaching them how to, how to do, talk to a client. And I yes. think that's very different as well. And look, you know, and we don't try to generalise, but I think that is one of the criticisms in in the past of of the accounting mm, fraternity. Mm. Not where we're not calling out everybody that's no, the no, same, no. but certainly there have been some that have spoken at a level or in a language that has clearly bamboozled the small business community, and and unfortunately that hasn't been always a great result for the small business community. So no. definitely what you've just called out there is is an important was an important thing when you were doing it, and still is. And we'd encourage any bookkeeper that's listening in right now to you know talk talk to your clients in a language that they can work with. Don't uh, go beyond that. Well, I suppose I focus on that because I was in business before I was ever qualified in another life in the 90s yeah, and, the, and the beginning of 2000. And I was there, <laughs> I was listening to, was it Matthew, um, when he said about the $200 voucher. So yes. this was the point when I decided I needed to be a bookkeeper. So in 2000, and I started in 2006, okay, I was in business and it was the cartage business, transport, and the GST got launched and I got my $200 voucher. <laughs> And I went into Harvey Norman and I said, what can I buy for $200? And that's exactly what happened, $199. And I said, well, where's my change? And they said, no, we yeah, don't give change. No change. <laughs> 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 so anyway, I just thought it was a crack up. But anyway, so I went away with my NYB and that's what kicked me off. And I self-taught myself and I was, yet again, I'm going, there's got to be a business for this. <laughs> And that's how I went in and locked in. That was the key point when I realised what I needed to do. But I went to my accountant the first year when Je and I put Jess T on a parking fine. He said, you can't do that. And I said, I can do it. They said everything, didn't they? And then I thought, <laughs> oh, my God, I sound like a client. And so I actually understand how to talk to a client because I was that client. Yeah, no, absolutely perfectly called out. It's something that, again, I've been proud to be able to say is that I can hopefully, I try hard, speak to a client because I, like you, have mm. been on the other side as well. So mm. having owned businesses in the past and currently, but uh, it's a really important call out for those who are a bit unsure about the full story. Go back and listen to episode two of <laughs> Heart of the Bookkeeper and Matthew tells the whole story of that. Number uh, three. The, number three, was it? Yes. Yeah, thank you. It was uh, crazy days <laughs> when we good. were... Uh, uh, yeah, with the $200 voucher story, but it's an interesting story. So where where are you at currently with your practice, Deb? Are you a single trader or a sole trader or you got a team? Or? I always said to Amanda in the classroom, because uh, I was actually studying and having majors. I had th three major surgeries in the time I studied as well. And I sat an exam and then the next day, had a major surgery, so on. So I always said to Amanda, I feel that I need staff because what am I going to do if I'm not available or what happens if something happens? So anyway, I started, that was an interesting journey and employing people is interesting, but I've got an amazing team right now. I've kept it small. I've gone no more than six over the years, but I've got four now and I plus myself and I like that number. I try not to get any more work than that, but work just keeps flowing in, and, you know, which is great. But um, it can be a bit hectic. But, yeah, so that's where we're at. We're a company. Um, I literally took over. So when I was in business, before we had a company, because we had to be a company to, to deal with the contract that we're in. So that was sitting on the shelf. And I just added 
accounting, so Lumas accounting into my account. I said, I rang my account and he said, just put the word accounting in there, proprietary. I went, okay, that sounds okay. So <laughs> I've sort of stuck to it and I've stuck with Lumas because that was, I met the guy who created the name because that was just a sort of a family trust business that I bought and were never used. And I said, how did you get Lumas? What did that mean? He said, it was my... Um, my pet dog's name, Samuel, backwards. And I went, right, that's it. It's a dog. I'm loving it. I'm... <laughs> so when it, so our, our, our thing now when we talk to people, we go, Lumas, you know, Samuel backwards if you want to check that you're And it's now the, lo- you know, the slogan, Samuel backwards, Lumas. Great. Oh, right, yeah. Mm. Yeah, no, I love that. But Absolutely I didn't create it. I just took it on, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so anyway, that's that's where we started and that's where we're at now. We just sort of, um, and because of COVID, um, so we had a big office, but I've sort of 18 months before COVID, I, re- I looked around, technology changed. Mm. And I, I started to come into the office and I'm going, this is really big now. It never used to be this big. Why, why is this really big, this room? And I looked at the dollars and I thought really do we need this? And mm. so we broke it up and we got somewhere closer. So I now work from home and I've got an office two blocks away from home so I can walk. Wow. And um, it's just a, a small little office. They've got a professional meeting room. Everything's all good. Um, and we've been there for, a quite, oh, as I said, 18 months before um, COVID hit. Uh, probably two years before COVID. So by the time, and because we were sort of working in different places and one of my staff works at home as well, miles away, and we've all got a phone that you would never know where we're answering it. But we were already paperless by the time COVID COVID hit. So we don't, we just have a small professional meeting room, office, and then, yeah, and that's where we're at now. And we are surviving quite well. I think that's a really, a, a really important thing for many that are listening in to examine and listen to because obviously you've been there and and the interesting bit for me is that you implemented a lot of that pre-COVID. I think most have sort of been working through that during this COVID period. Um, I know I read an article uh, in the New York Post, I think it was about a year ago, that called out the fact that you know, what we're seeing now with the whole move away from the big office to a smaller office or work from home, even with a team or with a practice, they didn't anticipate to see that until about two, you know, the, 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 the those who study mm-hmm. this sort of stuff mm-hmm. didn't anticipate to see this until about 2030 and yet COVID has accelerated it by about mm-hmm. 10 years. So it's, it's clearly happening and it's an interesting Discussion. Well, it was funny because, yeah, because when mum passed away in 2016, I actually spent two or three months working from home and the, <laughs> the staff go, I don't know how we did it without you. Um, yeah. But I worked out that I needed to be paperless. I didn't want to carry all this stuff around. And so I started that process because mm. I was working away. So when it came to COVID, we were already in our, we just packed up someone's desk basically and said, there you go, you're at home now. And that was it. Yeah, no, there's, there's some great lessons there and I'm, I'm really thrilled that you're sharing that because I reckon there are a lot of listeners right now not sure where they're landing with that and obviously it's working for you. I've been down a similar journey um, and I know even your conversation around what is the right number of staff if you're going to have staff, that, that's a tricky one, you know. Oh. We, um, oh, we grew to, I think, tricky. 13 at our height and I, I found that extremely challenging and we sort of toned it back and... And funnily enough that you say, you know, sort of three or four, that, that's about where we landed on that was very, yeah, we found that a really workable model. Um, but each to their own, each, uh, I know, again, um, you know, referencing a, a previous um, guest on Heart of the Bookkeeper, Brooke Arnott, I was speaking with her only a couple of days ago and, you know, she's going through those that situation. She's grown massively. She's got two locations here in Western Australia and, and, and she has the same sort of conversations around what is that right number. So it's really good that you've raised that because I believe, you know, a lot of our members at the ICB in particular and those that are tuning in who have got bookkeeping businesses or practices, they have those same struggles. So it's great that you've shared that with us. Moving into the COVID period, um, you know, I think uh, you've just put a a wry smile on your face. I think you know where I'm headed next. For For those who are 
um, listening to this episode. Uh, we're recording this in in March of 2022, and right now the ICB is is moving around Australia on their uh, annual summit, as we now call it. Um, uh, took a leap of faith when most uh, had cancelled their conferences and and whatnot at a period of time where COVID is still raging throughout the country. Uh, ICB's taken a bit of a leap of faith and are going around. And one of the um, one of the sessions that we're running during that summit is is around cybersecurity. And for those who are listening and have attended, you will have seen that Deb uh, was the star of the show, or, or whichever way you want to put it. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure she wanted to be the star of the show, but she definitely was the topic no. of, of the show. And for those who haven't uh, seen it yet, uh, look forward to an interview that I've done with Deb. But Deb, obviously, uh, as we called out on Summit 12 months ago or just over 12 months ago, you, you hit a moment in mm. your practice that was something that sadly has come to define a fair bit of where you're at right now. And do you want to sort of share with us what happened mm. and how it happened? Well, it was interesting. It's been a hard couple of years, really, because, as you say, COVID came in in 2020 and everybody, all the bookkeeping world sort of went into the fetal position coma in the yeah. middle, in the corner not knowing what yeah. to do, oh, um, educating themselves. And so going through all that and then we then came through that, hit 21, and we thought we were sort of getting to a really good place and February 23rd. A date in infamy. Yeah. 2021. Hmm. It was, I will always remember this day, I was driving and a client rang me and said, I think your emails have been um, tampered with. And I'm going, oh, really? Well, I'm in the car at the moment. Hang on a minute. I'll get back to you. I rang my IT guy from the car. And now I've always had an IT or, you know, like, yes, I could probably do IT. I could probably do a lot of things, but I'm a big believer in getting someone professional to do something that they major in because what they do in an hour, I would probably take five hours to do. So I could probably make more money in that five hours. So I've always got professional people helping me where I need it. And so I've always had an IT. I've struggled with this, um, but I've got to the other end of it. Um, and I rang IT and he said, he came back to me 20 minutes later. By this stage, I've gone over the bridge, come home. And he said, you've been hit and it's one of the worst I've seen. I went, you've got to be joking. And I apparently mm. went white. I don't remember it. Um, I remember racing inside. I rang the staff. I then had to sit and think for a minute, okay, what do I do? <laughs> what do I do? And so we lived and breathed the phone calls with IT. The best thing I ever did was I got cyber insurance. I can tell you that now. And at the time I got it, I thought, will I mm. ever use this? Oh, you've got to be joking. I don't know. I got it, oh, I don't know, four or five years ago um, at an ICB annual conference. And I read the information on the pamphlet and I thought, oh, this is like reading another language. What does this mean? Oh, well, I'll do it because I am going in the cloud and I suppose this is really important. So when I don't understand what I'm doing and nobody will really advise you which policy to take, they will just analyse your information. But it, the, the bottom line here, it's your decision, right? It's your decision which policy. And, and I had three choices. So when I've got three, it's like anything. If I'm not sure, I never take the cheapest. I never take the... <laughs> I go middle. <laughs> don't ask me why. It's just... A, I, I just... I don't know. Anyway, I do it. And I'm really pleased I did. Probably wish I'd probably <laughs> taken the highest, but that's okay. Um, but this one did cover me. And anyway, um, we started to search emails. We started to search everything. And my IT people came back and said, you have experienced a fishing fish. I said, well, yeah. well what's that? Tell me, I don't know what's that. What does that mean? Well, they've probably been watching you for a few months now. And I went, what? You've got to be joking me. <laughs> and I'm doing JobKeeper, mm. I'm doing all these things and and um, we're sharing some serious information with JobKeeper with the authorisations and then when that form comes back from the ATO after you've submitted JobKeeper, it's got everybody's tax file numbers displayed on it. God, and you, and I don't know about you, but I just, at the time, I had attended 
all those webinars and Zooms and whatever else you needed to attend to make sure you're compliant. I've, I would have sworn black and blue I was totally covered. I've got IT people. I've got this. I'm, yeah, I'm ticking the boxes here. No. Um, I said, well, how the hell did they get my, excuse my French, but how the hell did they get my emails? Yeah. What's going on here? You set mm. this up for me. I was, mm. I was angry. And I now I love my IT guys, don't get me wrong. I am not going to criticise them. But at the time mm. when you get something like this, you get angry. And I'm going, why? Why did this happen? And they then said, the 2FA was, I said, you set this up. And they set it up. Now I'm 12 months down. I actually get it. And they and we had an hour-long conversation at one time. Well, I don't know that you're providing the right service. And I was hammering into them and I'm going, why can't you be proactive? If I'm a bookkeeper, I want to be a proactive bookkeeper. Why can't you be proactive? And he was trying to explain to me. And I actually get it now. But at the time, you just get angry. And... IT is too hard to be proactive. It changes every minute, every second. Yeah. How can you be proactive? And I get that now. And when your systems are set up such a long time ago, before 2FA ever existed, do you ask the question, should I have asked the question, have I got this set up? Good question. How do I know what questions yeah. to ask, right? Um, and that... It's really, now, I beat myself up for a long time and my staff were amazing. Um, I blamed myself. I spent many hours mm. crying <laughs> or I burst into tears over the most stupidest thing. I know Amanda has taken several phone calls for me <laughs> <laughs> um, to listen to me um, and James at... Um, insurance Made Easy. Uh, insurance Made Easy, yep. Yeah. Amazing. And his staff were amazing. Um, and they even had me on the phone. I just can't do this right now. I can't take it anymore. And, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I just get off the phone and go, oh, you're an idiot. Fancy doing that. But um, it just, it would happen at the most ridiculous time. But within three days, I had lawyers. And then I've got this engagement letter that I had to sign. And I thought, why do I have to sign an engagement letter with a lawyer? Then I realised and it all had to, and I spent weeks and months, um, as I said in the, the ICB thing, um, summit, I spent weeks and months on the phone nearly every day and basically all the communication. So the IT people had to work with my lawyers. The lawyers brought in professional people. They had to engage an organisation. Now the mm -hmm. lawyers are in Sydney and they specialise in cyber. And I, I must say I got the best because my um, niece's husband, who lives in Canberra, he said, oh, they're one of the better ones out there. And he's just finished his law and he's also a forensic policeman. And he, he said, yeah, no, they're, they're the really good. And I went, okay, okay, I'm happy now. <laughs> they're really good. Um, they held my hand the whole way, but they had to get this organisation to come in and scan my computer. And my IT people had to give them permission. And suddenly I'm living, living in this top security world. Now, obviously, I increased our security on, and it was every computer. Um, and that alone, if you'd asked me to do that before I experienced this, I probably would have said, wow, do I have to yeah. pay that much? Why do I have mm. to pay that much? And we're mm -hmm. talking thousands, right? Um, basically, I have to pay an extra $8,000 mm. a year. And at the time, would you really say yes yeah. to that? Um, but uh, now I clearly don't Clearly, most people wouldn't. Um, you know, you go, well, you know, we don't, no. we're not at that level or whatever. I, I get one, of the, one of the questions I wanted to, to pose to you is that through that journey, what, what was your greatest fear? Was it in relation to a client having something mm -hmm. exposed about them that they would, you know, come back at you with? Or what, what, was, what, was, the, what was the main ramification of what happened that could have really been horrific? Yep. So the biggest fear, so after about two days, I already worked out that, well, even 24 hours, I had worked yep. out we were safe. Nothing had got out. And, no, and let me reiterate, nobody mm -hmm. lost any money. Okay, and, and nothing, they did get into 
a software package that I don't use very much and that was an education but that was all over we were all over that like a rash so after about 24 48 hours my biggest fear after that and after I needed a week or two to realize because I spent weeks calling people and when I got the feedback from the clients that they were supporting me my biggest fear was to lose my company from the tax right. practitioners yes board. yep okay I thought I was about to, I, that was what I probably spent most of yeah. my time crying about, that I had spent all these years, 15 years back then, 15 years building a company, trust. Um, I have staff that rely on it and at, and they had finally convinced me, my staff, that it was not my fault and I needed a lot of forgive, um, convincing and I still, felt, you know, and I believe now I know it's not my fault. But I could have lost everything and I would never have been able to do this again and then where would I be? I think that's the bit, you know, we've obviously had a couple of conversations now about this both privately and at the summit and now now through this um, podcast. But I think that's the thing that stands out the most for me is how passionate you are about your clients and their reaction to you and that that, that emotive side of this. So the cybersecurity side, we focus a lot on physical loss, you know, hardware, money, that sort of thing. But the emotional side for you is absolutely palpable. It's clear as to me. And I think, to be honest with you, it makes me realise that, you know, that that's just the type of community we are and that <clears throat> I don't think mm. that it would be unique mm. to you and that's why we work so hard to try and mitigate anyone else going through what you've been through mm. because as bookkeepers, I think mm. en masse, we really care. We really, really care and clearly mm. that's the bit that got to you and has taken some convincing. I, rem- I know in the uh, recording that we did at Summit, you, you start off by saying, this is something I'm not really proud about talking about because it, it, no. it, the emotional effect it's had on you is is really clear to me and I can even see that right now in your face. Mm. Uh, no, the listeners can't <laughs> see that. And that's the bit that I think um, is the powerful piece of your story is that you're basically saying, look, you know, make sure that you've got mitigation processes that save you from, you know, lawsuits or money issues or loss of hardware or whatever it might be, but but the emotional loss is probably the greatest thing of all. Am I, am I getting that right? Mm. Yeah, you are, and, and there's a lot of hard work. And even though not one client was touched, not one person was touched, and we put a lot of energy to make sure that it happened, the energy that went through... To, to follow your your data incident plan, which you've got to know. You really do have to know. I mean, it's like having procedures and policies in place and will you ever, you know, they have to be there. And and I had to quickly go, okay, so this is what i got to do. I had this in place and so now what do I got to do? And I had to refresh it and so many people have come back to me. But the phone calls and emailing every client and trying to tell them. I even Googled um, how to write the email mm. to the clients and there was a very big key word in there, don't use cyber breach, mm-hmm. use cyber incident because mm-hmm. breach goes, ooh. Yeah. Incident goes, oh. Yeah. Right? Um, and I basically had to write this but I had to keep it simple. So basically what I did was I said, We've had an incident. What we have done is blah, 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 and lots of things. CyberGov, blah, blah, blah. What you can do, and then I told the clients what they can do, but um, it's all about, and not one client left, which was great, and every single one of them supported me. Not one of them judged me. Um, They just kept saying, oh, this Mm. must be so horrible. And, but... But there's a lot of things we need to mm. share with our clients um, and make sure that they've got their tour. I think the, the biggest thing I'm really scared about is I didn't have my two FAs on my emails, but one of the, the software that they got into, you had the option, you don't get it now, you had the option of I don't want to use my two FA, I'll go to another option, and it was email me. 
So as soon as it got emailed to me at 2 a.m. in the morning, which I didn't know was going on, they got the 2FA code to hack mm. into this software. What they could have done was really serious stuff. What they did was an eye-opener. Never even would have dreamed. I'm not a criminal. I don't think like that. So when I hear what they do, I go, really? (laughs) How did they know how to do that? Um, But the thing is, don't have your 2FA going to your emails because if you are, if your emails have been hacked, they can get it. Great call. Um, Keep it on a separate device. Um, Clean up your emails a lot more. And I suppose that's the biggest lesson I've learned is clean up my emails. I've always been one that says, I might need that. Mm. I might need that. We save a lot more as PDFs now and we delete. So we give it, we've put a procedure in place that my lawyers have accepted and we had to prove to the tax Directions Board that, you know, what procedures we have changed and put in place. And that was the main thing was how we structured our emails. So every uh, month we have at our staff meetings, we, I I say, so has everybody cleaned up their emails this month? Come on. Let's go. Um, It's a convert because we all get busy. And I even actually, I didn't tell the clients it was the anniversary, but I pushed an email out on the anniversary in February to all my clients saying, now I know that in our busy day we get crazy, but have you remembered that you need to do this, this and this for your cyber? And I'm actually trying to remind clients it's part of my job. I believe we're no longer crunching numbers anymore. We have to... You know, like clients say to me, well, you've got our back. And that's if that's what it means that we've got their backs, then I have to send out an email to remind them. Have you checked? Have you done this? Have you done that? Deb, that's... Uh... That is absolute gold. Uh, the listeners that are tuning in to this episode, I, ho- I hope you share this with others because those insights, especially that, those last few, you know, sort of recollections, not only of what happened, but now you've come out, let's call it sort of the other side, what you now know versus what you assumed earlier is is, is is absolutely gold. It's, it's sad that you've had to experience that, but if I can flip it onto a positive, the gain that I'm getting out of it right now for my own practice, I'm sitting here writing a few notes as I go, going, you know, I need to change a couple of things, a bit about, you know, getting rid of old emails. I hadn't really thought of that one. That's a, that's a great call out. You know, we do, I'm, I'm the classic hoarder of emails going, I might need to go back to that, oh. but it contains information that makes you vulnerable. So... Really, really insightful stuff, Deb. A story within a story. I, I didn't want this uh, episode to be just about your cyber journey. I wanted to make sure that we celebrate that you are and have been an amazing bookkeeper for a long time now. And um, But your story you. within the story is one that I think will resonate with a lot of people and certainly is an important one to keep telling. And I'm so glad you're doing that and that we're hopefully providing that opportunity through this podcast. So is it a case of you feel as though you are out the other side now or you mentioned something about even last week there was still something that happened? Or? Yeah, no, yeah. So so even um, around the anniversary, so they took a whole copy of all our emails and the problem was that not only my emails, because I have access to all my staff's emails, they got yeah. all these as well. So you can imagine mm. that. <laughs> anyway, so they used and only a client um, sent me a text message who knows me well. Um, and said, oh, I got this at 3 a.m. Is this you? It could have been. No. Me, but no, it wasn't. Um, I, I have tended to, uh, if anybody knows me, I do get up early sometimes because my partner goes to work at 2 a.m. So I find that a beautiful part of the day. People think I'm crazy. But I love that part of the day because the phone doesn't ring. It's just bliss. Um, but in saying that, she got this email. And, it, and when I looked at the contents of the email, First of all, my name was there, but the email address following my name was not my email address. Secondly, it's, oh, to sort out this problem that we discussed. Now, this problem we discussed was over a year ago. Here's a link. And I've educated my clients that I will Mm. no longer send links unless I am telling them in advance I'm about to send you a link. And if they know that I'm sending them a link, then that's okay. 
but do not open any links unless I've told you or one of my staff have told you we're sending a link. And that's also something I've really honed in on educating my staff and my clients on that as well. Um, but yeah, that was only um, a few weeks ago when that happened. And I just, and we just sit here, the staff and I and go, leave us alone. The amount of hits, we could see the hits, even though we were locked and we were secure. Our IT people gave us the list and, and look, they were amazing. I've got to say, they were, they dropped everything and they just bent over backwards. And if you've got support like that, uh, you've, even though it's stressful, it just made that, so now I look back, it made that journey much, much better. But they used to send me the list of all these hits and one straight after it, I was getting two, three hundred bad hits every, they were trying to hack wow. me three or four times, 300 yeah. times a day. Wow. Wow. And, and that's mm-hmm. something as well, I sort of want to bring this part of it to an end, but um, right now, it was, as we record this, you and I were talking about this before we, we kind of went on air. Um, obviously, we're right in the middle of a, a horrible scenario happening in Eastern Europe with um, Russia attacking Ukraine. And there are multiple messages you referenced, an email you've received today from the Tax Practitioners Board and also I'm getting alerts from the Australian Cyber Security Centre every day around the yeah. fact that, you know, we need to be heightened with our awareness of what's happening with cyber right now. Um, and I, the Australian Cyber Security Centre are saying we don't need to panic but we just need to be aware and we need to be across it and that's your story, the mitigation processes that we are talking about currently at Summit are, are, are important stuff. They're not something to, to sneeze at. Mm. And certainly um, uh, there is a heightened growth in that activity right now. Uh, whether there's targeted approaches from Russia towards Australia, there's no evidences of that at the moment, but inadvertently that could happen is where the Australian Cyber Security Centre are at the moment. So your story is incredibly timely. And and while I've got the opportunity, uh, I know that we have uh, a listener in the Ukraine regularly, Helen, who's one of our um, ICB partner managers in the in Ukraine. And Helen, if you are listening in on this right now, our hearts are with you and with... Uh, the, uh, mm. the people of Ukraine and the, the horrible tragedy that's happening as we go to air with this right now. And we uh, certainly Absolutely. send our, our uh, thoughts and, and love to you, Helen, if you're tuning in. I know she's a regular listener mm. to Heart of the Bookkeeper. Deb, mm. I want to, again, thank you for that little story within the story. I don't want it to end there because I want to celebrate you as a bookkeeper and how amazing you have been through a long journey. We won't define it by one one incident, as you called it. We won't call it a breach. We call it, I love that. And I think that's a great way of referring to it, incident. Um, that's what Google said. That's what Google works. said. Well, you know, and we we all, in, in Google we trust, isn't it, these days? So, Or is it in Siri we trust? I'm never sure. I just want to, I just want to, Give you one quote on anybody who please do. I live by this. Don't regret what you do. Only regret what you don't do. So if you don't do anything yeah. about this, then you better regret it. Because I don't regret what I've done. And this is why I'm sharing, because this is my way of giving back. That is we're gonna write that one down. That's going on the wall tonight. I love that. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Listen to that one back if you didn't hear that one the first time round. Repeat it for us, Deb, just so we've got it. I'm going to... Don't regret what you do. Yes. Only regret what you don't do. Yeah, love it. That's brilliant. We all make mistakes. We're, and I'm not saying I made a mistake. I just... Things happen. But take action and learn because that's who we become. Love it. All right. Well, that's a good segue to, to wrapping this uh, uh, little talk we've had today up. I've, I've loved every moment of it. But as I promised, we can't have a, a ledger with some opening balances without, without some closing, closing balances. So, yeah, we've got, to, we've got to rule the ledger off, you know, and carry carry forward our uh, balances. So, okay, three, three questions to finish off with. Now, this is one that uh, uh, hopefully will... Uh, get you thinking a little bit and uh, I'll, I'll sort of lead into it so I'll give you a chance. So I'm going to ask you, what's the most embarrassing moment you've ever had with a client? Now, I'm not going to refer to the cyber. We know that that was tough in a different way. But uh, so for me, I once had uh, a scenario where I um, 
uh, asked, or the client, as they do, asked me if I wanted a cup of coffee. I went, yeah, no problems. All good. Yeah, I love a cup of coffee. I like it fairly, fairly strong. So she made it. And uh, on this occasion, and I don't know why, but I was wearing a magnificent pair of white chinos <laughs> and she brought me the coffee and I, it was a new client and I was very excited and throwing my hands around like I do and I knocked the coffee straight over and it landed in the spot that a male would not ever want a coffee to land and unfortunately uh, it created a bit of a scene so uh, and not to mention how awkwardly painful it was so um, yeah, so that was my embarrassing story. Have you got one? Oh, look, it's probably um, as we get older, we go through life changes. <laughs> yes. And I had a brand new client with me and I'm, this is before COVID, we were close sitting you know, near each other. <laughs> and I suddenly had this massive hot sweat. And I was, I was embarrassing. I needed to, I didn't, I couldn't leave the room. I had the perspiration and I'm thinking, this is so embarrassing. What, oh, this is not a good look. <laughs> <laughs> and this is all because I'm getting old. This is not good. <laughs> so, yes. um, no, it was just one of those moments. But you just, and then I just joked about it and laughed and kept going and I'm thinking, and they were lovely, but it was a man as well. It was really right. bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I can assure you the uh, it wasn't a good look, the stain that was on my white no, chinos no, after that no. either. So, uh, yeah. Oh, no. Anyway. Um, or, okay, that's that's first closing balance. Let's get to number <laughs> two. Uh, a bit easier, this one. What what's, uh, what's a recent book you've read that you recommend? Is there a book that you've read of recent times? Do you get time to read anymore, you know, busy bookkeeper? No, well, um, I, I tend to... Um, I read a lot of books at the moment. I usually read them when I go on holidays and I haven't been on for a while because I'm reading so much, so many newsletters. So <laughs> I, I can I sort of digress and say the the latest thing I listened to? Yes. Um, was the, I listened to New Hustle. Yeah. How good's the New Hustle? Can I just, because I, I only read books when I go on holidays. But I have the time to listen to those sorts of things. And I heard you talk about it. I thought, oh, I'm going to listen to that. I loved it. Yeah, it was I loved brilliant. it. Yeah. So can I change that slightly to that? Because that was really, really good because I'd love people to listen to that. Yep. Mm. Yep. No, if you missed it, the new hustle, can jump onto YouTube mm. and Google or search The New Hustle. It's mm. an amazing story. It tells the story of three different uh, startup businesses, one of them being Canva, who uh, many people you probably know now. And um, mm. that journey is, yeah, something uh, I've watched it well, half a dozen three, times. All three yeah. are really, yeah, really yeah, good. Yeah. And, they're, and, and they're so natural and they speak from the heart. It's lovely. Yes. I love it. Mm. Yep, absolutely. All right, and last question to finish off with, and it's the pertinent question of the moment on everyone's lips. Oh. Finally, finally we're seeing borders open. We're seeing international opportunities starting to appear on the horizon. Have you got a travel destination that's on your bucket list to, to head to once this is all over, whenever that is? Um, funny you should say that. I um, was only talking to my sister yesterday and I'm probably coming to Perth. <laughs> In June. Ah, why in the, not? In the first week in June for the June long weekend and stuff, um, over your long weekend. Um, so, yes, I'd like to do that. Um, yes, look, we were, I've cancelled two overseas trips because of COVID, so I've given up on overseas. So I, I get excited if I go interstate. Um, so, yes, um, Perth is my, I'm about to book it, I think. Excellent. Well, that's a perfect closing balance in my mind. Uh, w, <laughs> WA, we've been locked down in a funny sort of way for a long, long time now. So. I think Tassie and yeah. WA have been locked down very, very similar. Very just, similar, we are, yeah. yeah. We, we yeah. just opened up on the 15th of December a little bit earlier than you. you you're a couple um, of months ahead of WA, yeah. but uh, if you mm. if you want to come to WA, I can recommend uh, lots of beautiful beaches and wineries oh, and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. So uh, give, me a, give me a shout out if you're listening in and you want to know where to go in WA, I can definitely mm. give some recommendations. Well, Deb, thank you so much for this time that we've had together. I hope uh, you've uh, enjoyed the opportunity to tell a little bit of your story. Um, it is it is a great story. Uh, obviously, the cyber journey is one that has lessons that, as I've mentioned a couple of times, are crucial for anybody who's listening in. And I'd go back and listen to that 
part of it again if you if you miss some of it. Um, but generally, thank you for your uh, time today, and more particular, thank you for what you've given back to our bookkeeping community and continue to give back and. And I hope that uh, you have a very long journey ahead as you called out uh, earlier in the in the podcast that you'll continue to innovate and challenge yourself and do things well into the into the long and distant future. Thank you. I um, I just want to say that um, I want to thank ICB, you especially, but um, ICB because I even though Amanda was telling me when I first started. Um, I, when I finally joined, I, um, if it wasn't for you guys, I wouldn't be where I am now. Um, your templates, your support notes, um, your staff, everything, they're all amazing and you're the go-to big time. I will definitely pass that on. I'm sure uh, I know uh, many of the, the staff listening on this as well, so they'll be absolutely chuffed to hear that. Mm. And uh, I can definitely attest we're, uh, we're, we're, a, we're a pretty amazing organisation yeah. and that's not, not to do with me, I promise you. That's to do with a whole bunch of people who've done a whole heap of stuff for many, many years and uh, I'm just fortunate to, uh, to continue that uh, little legacy. So thanks for that, Deb. Uh, but, again, thank you for your time today. Thank, thank you, you for joining us on Heart of the Bookkeeper and we look forward to seeing you again very soon. Thank you very much. Bye. So that brings us to the end of episode 13 of Heart of the Bookkeeper. What an amazing ride we've been on. And thank you again, Deb, for taking us there. We want to thank you as the benefactors for your story and for the journey you've taken us through. And we know the cyber incident is one that was very difficult for you to share. And again, we are indeed the benefactors. We're looking forward to some amazing guests throughout 2022. Join us again very soon on episode 14. Stay safe and we love your heart.